to Season 4 of the Art of Teaching podcast. I'm Matthew Green and I'm so grateful that you joined me today. Before we get started, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to all of you that have subscribed, listened and reviewed the episodes. I really do appreciate you taking the time. In today's episode, we have another inspirational educator, Ashley, who is one half of the duo that is Rainbow Sky Creations. If you haven't heard of Rainbow Sky Creations, it's an educational website that creates resources for teachers that are simple, engaging and hands-on. I wish that when I embarked on my career in education that a resource like this existed. It would have saved me hours of work and many, many more hours of heartache. In this episode, we talked about the immense workload that teachers are under and how they are trying to help, the role of diversity in team environments, and the importance of working in a range of school contexts and what we can learn from this experience. I hope that you enjoy this discussion with the inspirational Ashley. Thanks for listening. How you doing? Good to uh, chat with you today. Great to chat with you too. I'm so excited. Oh, it's really, uh, it's really wonderful to talk to you. So I've been a, so you are one half of the Rainbow Sky Creations uh, empire um, brand um, lifestyle. I don't know what it is, but it's it's immense. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so lovely to uh, so lovely to uh, to get to talk to you today. So you're uh, phoning in from the beautiful Cronulla. How's the weather like today? It's beautiful out there today. I'm looking at blue skies. It's gorgeous. Oh, it's so lovely. It's uh, such a beautiful part of the world. Uh, quite possibly the most important question uh, for our conversation today. What is your coffee order? My coffee order is a piccolo, but I like to go for a walk in the mornings and I get myself a piccolo and I get it in a regular cup, which I know is a little bit extra, but I don't like okay. it to spill as I'm walking. Do you feel like you get you get more value for money having a proper size cup? Or? No, it's just because um, a, a piccolo cup is really the spillage is really up there when you're walking. Are you what's what sort of coffee do you drink? Look, um, I'm a, a, a I drink a strong flat white, um, but I, but I'm I'm at the point in my life where I need to make a change. So this is kind of a I don't know if I'm having a midlife crisis or a quarter life crisis. But I, I feel like a, a strong flat white has too much milk. So I'm considering... You I need to make the switch to the piccolo. Three-quarter latte. There's, I, I, I don't know. Um, I'll take what I can get, but um, I'm on the journey of, I think, uh, deciding what my new coffee <laughs> order will be. But I feel like like with a piccolo or with a, um, a ristretto, like, I don't feel like I get value for money. Right, but you get the um, you get the hit more. No, it, do you know what? It's definitely more efficient and more effective. And I, and I do think it's fascinating uh, discovering people's coffee orders because <laughs> I think it does say a lot about the person. It seems like Agreed. you are uh, about efficiency and uh, getting it done, <laughs> which is really lovely. Um, it, what item is still on your bucket list? What is something that you would just love to do? I have been thinking about these this and I thought, well, the things that come to mind first are travel ones, which is really hard in this current no, climate, but I'd love to take my family on an overseas gap year or take my kids on safari. 
but a more COVID friendly one for on my bucket list is to write a book. I'd really love like to write a book. book. That's yeah. interesting. And is that uh, more uh, fictional or autobiographical or what kind of book would you like? Well, I don't really see myself as much of a writer okay. and I originally want to write um, a fiction. Okay. But now I'm thinking maybe it's probably um, probably a little bit more achievable if I write something about education. Okay. Fascinating. I, I'm, I'm married to a, um, a writer and I've seen the... Um, uh, the emotional struggle with publishing uh, a book. And I think it's uh, anybody that can stick with something that long is, um, I think a lot of people want to write a book and many people don't. And so I, I commend you for uh, at least being at the beginning of that journey. Like it would be, what would be an area in education that you would want to write about? Do you know, one of the things that I think I'd love to do, at, and I'm not quite sure how it would come about, but <clears throat> turn our Instagram into some sort of visual book, inspirational style of thing for teachers. I'd love to do that because I've, I've got a few of those myself. I love um, home renovations and I love organising. I've got a few of those sorts of books here. And I think that'd be really great for teachers. This is like something that they you could gift a teacher or they could pick up and look through and get inspired or sit with your morning coffee, eating breakfast, thinking, what am I going to do today? And flick through and think, oh, I might give that a go or I love that colour. That could be really inspirational for this lesson or that. So that's maybe where we, we would start. But other than that, I don't, my ideas aren't really yeah, that, <laughs> very yeah. clear. Yeah, that's fascinating. For, for anyone that's listening that hasn't seen your uh, Instagram at uh, Rainbow Sky Creations, it is, um, it's very inspiring. I think you've got close to uh, 60,000 followers on there and uh, some amazing interactions and resources for teaching, which is, which is, um, it, it's just incredible. I re I wish something like that had existed when I had started teaching. Um, and there's so many ideas that I've just stolen from you and used in my classroom. It's sort of, I think my classroom now looks like a rainbow sky creations um, showroom. There's stuff <laughs> um, I'll have to look. Please. Um, I, do you think you're naturally an organized person or is it something that you have, uh, has teaching made you become more organized or yeah, where, where, where do you sit with that? No, I'm I'm 100% naturally organised. I feel like I came out of the womb organised. It's, it's my jam. I like yeah, organising yeah. things. I like having things in order. Alicia, my business partner, on the other hand, is where, where the yin and the yang. She's completely different to me. Um, she She's definitely organised in some ways, but teaching has forced her to go down that more traditional organised route. Mm. And having me as a partner as well, I like to do things a certain way. And she's, she's very flexy. And I think that there's definitely advantages of both being a teacher because you've got to be organised, but you've also got to have that flexibility, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And, and do you, that, that obviously uh, has worked really well um, for you both in terms of a business uh, relationship. Like what are, um, what are the, some of the ways that you complement each other in the business? Well, I think we are really that that yin and that yang. We're the opposites. We always say yeah. I'm the type A and she's the type B. And I think that that really works for us I mean we we rarely disagree we've probably had maybe one or two disagreements in the entire time we've been doing it um and they're not disagreements but just differs of opinion but we're both very open to listening to where each other is coming from and we usually find some sort of happy medium in the middle which is why I think it really does work because you have teachers all across the spectrum 
you've got teachers that are that type A and you've got those teachers that are the type B and you've got teachers all the way in the middle and we're able to meet them at wherever they are and show different perspectives. And I think that's one of the fabulous things about being a team. And I think the same thing in the school environment. I mean, when I first started out, I like I wanted to do it the way that I wanted to do it. And that's what I've learned over the time is that you're much better off when you, you bring your talents to the team and everyone gets to have a say because yeah. you're going to learn from other people and you're going to learn from other people that are really different from you. Yeah. And that um, is really where Alicia and I um, have hit the jackpot in the, the business partnership, really, because we, we're learning from each other all the time. Yeah, that's it, it's so, um, I, I think it's so important and, and it's really interesting, like the amount of teachers that I've spoken to that have talked about the importance of flexibility and making sure that there are some things that you obviously hold dear, like great teaching pedagogy and incredible learning environments, but there's also some things that are a bit more fluid and flexible. Um, it, it, it's really it just, I, I'm just fascinated in, in, in that partnership with you both. I think it's obviously working really well. Um, yeah. And it's really lovely to see that you complement um, each other. But my understanding is that you um, met at, way back at the International School in Dubai. Um, what was what was that experience like for you teaching in another country, one that is, is obviously a quite different um, to Australia? Uh, and also, how do you think that has uh, sort of shaped you as an educator? Well, it was definitely an experience. I, I arrived before Alicia did, but we were teaching in the same school. But the school that we were at was huge. It had six classes per grade. Um, and we were joined to a high school as well. So Alicia was in the primary sector and I was in the um, infants junior sector. Um, so she would come over and visit me, but we spent a lot of time with each other on the weekend. So that's how our friendship really developed. We weren't spending a huge amount of time together at work because, because the school was so big, we really did run them as like a junior and a primary. And then there was the high school as well. But the experience was, it was eye-opening. We learned so much about culture. We learned about how, what happens when cultures diverge in the most greatest of ways, because the international school community really is a community. Everyone has come away from their home and has something to bring and something to offer, but everyone's also very vulnerable. And I think there's something really special about that because people are very open to learning about others. Mm. They're very understanding. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of respect for each other's cultures. Um, people don't nitpick things as much because we don't know what they're bringing, what their background is, and how they're bringing things or how they're seeing it from their perspective. So um, that was that was really fabulous too. And just learning from other teachers, there was this, there was teachers from all over the world, and everyone brought their own little. Um, bits and pieces to the team and to the table and so we were working in such large teams too we did have to work really closely together and it was fabulous there was things that um teachers would say in the, in Ireland from Ireland for example and they said we definitely do it that way and the Aussies would say no you would do it this way and we'd give all all the ways a go or mm. we'd, we'd say oh well that that is awesome from New Zealand let's take that um and then let's take this from the UK and we'd merge it all together. And that was really, really fun too. So it was a huge learning experience culturally, but it was a huge learning experience um, as far as education goes yeah. as well. So how was that, what was that like then coming back um, from a, essentially a, a cultural melting pot um, and then coming back 
um, to uh, doing things a certain way with one particular system. Was that a challenge or did you still, or did you continue to draw from some of those strengths and those uh, different things that you learned? I definitely have continued to draw over my years and especially as um, things ebb and flow, education's always changing. And then I'm thinking, oh yeah, we did that in Dubai, but just it was tweaked just a little bit this way or a little bit that way. Um, so it definitely has helped me become a much more rounded teacher. Um, but in some ways it was frustrating too, because in here in Australia, you're very much prescribed in what you need to do and how you need to do it and sometimes it's not as easy to open up new ideas or just give things a go yeah um the other thing that was really fabulous about working in international school was that they had lots of extracurricular activities so the, the students I taught a year two which was equivalent to year one here and they would go off and have um Arabic every day and then they would have, if they were um, Islamic, they would go off and do those lessons every day as well. But then they'd also go off and do sport twice a week and they would go and do computers once a week. Um, they had lots of different other teachers, yeah. which gave a lot of time for us to work as a team as teachers. But to do all of those little bits and pieces um, away from that face-to-face -face teaching. So when they came back to us, it was really exciting to work with them. Like you were ready to get in there and work with them like one-on-one, -on -one, really sit down with them. Instead of, I find here in the Australian system, you might get that little bit of um, release from face-to-face -face each week, but it's not enough. And then so teachers are trying to find ways in the classroom to manage with the behaviours and manage with the teaching and trying to get to the kids one-on-one -on -one and then marking the work and then all of the paperwork and the list just goes on and on and on whereas it wasn't like that in Dubai it was very very rare I think I wrote my reports at home and I might have done one or two nights when I first started teaching but I didn't do any other work at home because wow. we had plenty of time during the day to do that and plenty of time to stop and talk to colleagues so there would be one period a day when the kids went off to Islamic and we'd all go up the street and get a coffee and it was great because we'd be able to talk to each other and we spoke about ideas and things along the way, but it really bonded us together as well. And I think that that is really what our Australian system is missing. Too much um, expectation of what we need to do and not enough realisation that all of these things need to have a time yeah. to do them. Yeah, and especially to do them well. Um, I yeah. think it's really easy to... Uh, and then, then there's no doubt at all that... that the teachers aren't incredibly busy doing stuff. Um, I mean, my step count each day is through the roof, um, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm necessarily achieving what I need to or what's important. So I think it's always really important to talk about the systems outside of our own. And that's one of the reasons why I went down and did a master's in, in uh, Melbourne University, because I just wanted to get a perspective outside of what I did every day, because it's so easy to, to think that you don't have an accent, but then when you go somewhere else, people go, oh, you sound funny or you talk. Yes. So I think it's really important to, to do that. And it really enlarged kind of my thinking. And it's so wonderful to, to hear when you came back to obviously brought um, some of those ideas with you and that understanding that there is a different way to do things, um, which is really, really, really lovely and really um, inspiring. It's so, um, obviously, we're just recording the audio here. It's a, it's a podcast, but I can see how excited that you're getting, how excited you're getting when you talk about uh, schools and kids and learning and 
Um, how on earth do you stay so passionate um, and so excited um, about education and what you're doing? Um, because yeah, you seem to light up when you're talking about it. So would you mind just maybe talking uh, to that for a little bit? I mean, education is my passion. I've always wanted to be a teacher from the get-go. My parents are both teachers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have the same passion as me. Yeah. I can't see myself doing anything else. I mean, now I'm not technically in a classroom five days a week anymore but I'm in education in a different way and I do really feel passionate about it because I think education is the first step to making a real difference it's making a difference in our community in our like wider society but also is about making a difference in the lives of individual kids you can really touch the lives of individual people and I think that that is really really special there's not a lot of vocations out there that has the impact that we can have in education. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're um, obviously a mum as well. Uh, not obviously, you're a mum as well. Yep. Um, <laughs> how ha- how's being a parent, uh, this is a, a huge question and we're going a little off script here, but how has being a parent sort of changed the way that you approach um, education or, or, or has it impacted you in any way at all? Sorry, that is a terrible question. Um, I understand what you're trying to ask. Thank you. I can answer it. (laughs) I appreciate it. So I'm, my kids now, I've got three kids. They're six, four and one. And my six-year-old started school this year. So it really has been a big year for me um, looking at school from the other side. And I'll be honest, I have not found it easy at times. Um, Especially not this year. This year's been... Like this is their this first, year? yeah. Well, not a great year to start, to be honest. No, it hasn't. It's been, um, it's really been up and down. And I worry, I, I think my um, son now, he's been off school for a term as all the kids oh. here in New South Wales have. And in kindergarten, he doesn't really know what it's like to be at school anymore. And it's, it's a really weird, funny feeling. I Sometimes I'm walking down the street on our morning walk and I'm thinking, he's got no idea that he's supposed to be at school right now. Bless but he's enjoying it I mean why wouldn't you (laughs) yeah yeah so has that um it's like talking about sort of looking at it from the other side I mean you've spent so much of your career in classrooms and you continue to um support teachers in an amazing way but what has that been like seeing it from another point of view so from a parent's point of view do you understand like the, the frustrations that parents go through do you feel like you can empathize more with parents or how how has that impacted you I mean I feel still feel like I'm on the teacher's side yeah when I hear the parents I'm like come on guys you know I can empathize with the teacher more and I have I've really tried as a parent to be supportive of my son's teacher I mean there's been times that I've said oh um why are you doing it that way or I think that my son needs a little bit more of this but that's my job as a parent is to advocate for my child and not the education system and I think that that is the difference as a parent your number one role is to make sure that your child is getting what they need and as a teacher your role is to listen to that and then do the best that you can but as a teacher, you're trying to advocate for the 30-odd kids in your classroom as well as the expectations that are put upon you. And as a parent, it's completely different. But we, we do need parents to advocate for their kids. Um, and not all kids have that. So the ones that do are lucky and we do really need to listen to these parents. And we can learn from parents. I mean, 
over my years of teaching, I've learned a lot from parents. I've learned that parents, they a lot of them don't know, they feel just as lost. They, um, I taught kindergarten for quite a few years and this was early on in my career and parents would come to me and they'd say, I don't know what to do about this problem at home. And I'd say, oh my goodness, I'm only 24. I don't know, I'm not a parent, yeah. but they're just looking for that support and guidance as well. And now as a parent, I kind of feel the same way. There's times where I've said to my son's teacher, I'm not really sure about A or B and she's only new into the teaching um, profession. But I think that that's just one of the things. It's about making connections, yeah. about making connections with those parents, with the kids, and trying to find a happy medium because we're all stakeholders in the, the community. Yeah. And we all want the same thing at the end of the day. Absolutely. And I think parents do forget that about teachers. I think they do forget that teachers, all we want is that their kids are achieving their potential, that they're happy. We want our kids in our classrooms to be happy. Yeah. Um, so we're never going to go out of our way not to make sure that that happens. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think um, for me, a big sort of revelation, if you like, of this came when I realised that we both want the same thing. Like I've never met a parent that doesn't want the best for their child. We may question what that is, um, yeah. but I think it's a really great unifying force I think to realize okay we both want the same thing here um how can we work together and, and look thank you so much for for being honest about that I know um you're just in such a unique position um I, I think obviously having a little one starting school in a really uh, challenging year um having had so much experience in a range of educational contexts and now also um uh, moving into resourcing and supporting teachers it's kind of like you've got the perspective from all different worlds which is which is really lovely. So I just wanted to take you back to the uh, 21st of June, where on yeah. your Instagram, um, on Rainbow Sky Creation, so all of this will be in our show notes for people that want to follow you. Uh, you said, today something big happened. After 15 years as a classroom teacher, it says Ash, but I resigned from my permanent teaching position. Uh, Rainbow Sky Creations uh, has been a gateway for both of us to make a bigger impact in education than we could ever have, have imagined. And we are so excited for what is to come. Um, I read that and went, oh, my goodness. This, <laughs> that's a really big decision. So can you um, tell me what the lead up to that was like? Um, and also walk us, walk us through how you reached that decision. Because that is, for someone who is so passionate and so excited about being in the classroom, I couldn't imagine how difficult that would have been. It was, it was tough, but it was easy. Okay. And the reason it was both is because it was a long time coming. Yeah. So I, I taught for many years. I went overseas. I came back. I went into leadership. I loved it. And then I had my first baby. And that is kind of the same sort of time that Rainbow Sky Creations was born in a very relaxed way. When, when we first started Rainbow Sky, it really was just a hobby. It was a, it was a creative outlet for Alicia and I because we both are creatives and we both love sort of that creative thinking and I'm super passionate about education and Alicia is really arty and we just combined our forces and that's kind of how it started out but then when I went back into the classroom after my first maternity leave I, I realized what teaching was all about away from leadership the mm -hmm. first day in the classroom I sat down with my kids and I introduced myself and we started doing what we were doing and I got to recess and I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And then we came back and I read them some books and we did some more. 
And at the end of the day, I was like, that was, I loved that. What was it that I loved about that? And I realized that my phone didn't ring. And as uh, when I was in leadership, my phone constantly rang, like my classroom phone. I I was was the leader of technology and maths. So I was constantly, oh, my projector's not working. My computer this, that. I can't remember my password. What's this? This child still doesn't have blah, blah, blah. And I found that without realizing it was only in hindsight. That was quite stressful. And also it was taking me away from what I I loved to do, which was teaching. So that was a really good revelation. And then I had my second baby, which was a little bit more difficult for me. I had a really tough pregnancy and, and post with her as well. And Rainbow Sky started to sort of pick up a little bit more. And I, I just needed a little bit more time away from people because that experience was a little bit tougher with yeah. her. So instead of going back to the classroom, I took an extra six months leave and focused on Rainbow Sky. And this is where it starts to come yeah, out yeah. from being tough to easier because I was thinking, I... I love my job. I want to go back. And I could never at that point have seen myself resigning from it at all. Um, but I did need that time um, just to sort of work through a few things myself and enjoy my creativity and still be in the education system. So still have my hand in it, but not be fully committed to it. Um, and then I ended up going going back. Um, but Rainbow Sky was really building momentum by then. And so then I had lots of balls in the air. So I had the mum ball, the school ball, the rainbow sky ball, and I fell pregnant again (laughs) for the third time. And um, that was when I decided to take leave, take maternity leave and then take some extra leave and just see how I liked it. And I loved it and I felt like we were making an impact in education with what we were doing. Our business had changed directions a little bit where we were not just doing creative, helping um, teachers with resources, but we were actually helping teachers. And I thought, I've got to make a decision here. Do I take on leadership in our online business and actually help teachers the way that I want to help them? Or do I go back into my, my school, which I absolutely loved that I had so many fabulous colleagues that I learned so much from and go back to the classroom. And I thought, well, for now, I think the right call is Rainbow Sky. And I, I thought about it on and off for a really long time. And once I came to the decision to do it, it was the right decision. It felt really good. So yeah. I'm really glad that I did it. I think um, it was the right thing. And the best part is, is that it's not the end. It's just because I gave up my permanent position now, it doesn't mean I can't go back at another time. And that's what I was saying to my husband. He said, at the end of the day, is this goodbye forever for teaching? And I, I said to him, no, I, I believe I'm a good teacher. I, I believe I was an asset to that school. I'll be able to get another job. And that's, that's the honest truth behind it. Yeah. I think that anyone who's out there that's thinking, I really want that permanent job or I can't get the job I want to, is just have an open mind because you don't know where things are going to lead. And sometimes that permanency is not the be all and end all. And I think that we do. I see that in new teachers so much. They're just desperate for this permanent job. But what a permanent job does do is that it does tie you down to one particular place and experiencing lots of different things, lots of different schools, different types of leadership can really help you grow as well. Yeah. So there's there's definitely positives of not having that permanent position straight away. 
it's it's really difficult isn't it uh because um it's so uh permanency in any role uh, sorry in any industry is so alluring especially um uh, when we have been through a globally a really difficult time where there's people losing jobs mm. and people that are not able to pay their bills and the cost of living in Sydney is through the roof and so I think it's I can see how people can feel really um feel really stuck and really restricted um but it's so inspiring I think to hear your story and realize that like you don't have to do this like you actually have a choice you know, and and just because you decide to, you may decide not to pursue a, a permanent position, or you may decide to to choose another avenue. It doesn't mean that you have failed as an educator. Um, I think probably what's worse would be to stay in a role that you uh, dislike and one that's wearing you down. And before you know it, you become one of those people that used to care. Um, and I, I think it's. It's really inspired. Like I, I, I think I've read that. Like I said on your Instagram, and thought, wow, like this is this is actually a really a significant moment, not just for you, but also for your sixty thousand people that follow your um, mm. Instagram to go. Okay, like I may not be as. I'm not saying you were stuck, but I may not be as stuck as I feel. Absolutely. Um, so with Rainbow Sky, what does um. What do you hope to achieve? And also what does success look like? Like, is there a point, because is there a point where you go, yes, we are successful or is it an ongoing sort of quest? My questions have been very open-ended today. Thank you for clarifying them. They have been very open-ended. It's, it's a funny thing. I'm just gonna diverge a little bit before I come back to your question. Of course. My mum has started in Instagram. My mum is a teacher too. She's a reading recovery teacher. So she's a reading specialist and she's only got a small following and she's desperate to, oh. to get her following that little bit bigger. And she said, I was talking um, to somebody about you the other day about your Instagram. She never really gloats about me at all. She's not that kind of mum. But yeah. she said, oh, I was talking about this and it's just amazing. And I said to her, you know what, mum? It's all relative yeah yeah the, you your 200 followers is is great you want a little bit more my 60 60 000 followers it doesn't seem like very much in comparison to somebody's 200 and that doesn't seem and i heard somebody um from america i can't remember who it was but it was one of those um real reality tv stars and they said oh my following is not really that big at 1 million when people have multiple millions and i thought that's so funny because as things change along you always want that little bit more don't you so I think it does, coming back to your question, I think success does definitely change. And I think that's a good thing because otherwise if we got to the end and thought, okay, well, that's it and I'm done, then where to go to next? And I think that we need to be changing and growing. And that's one of the things we always say as teachers, isn't it? That we're lifelong learners. Yeah. And I think by moving that success bar, it just is showing that we're continually, continually learning and moving on to the next thing. However, in saying that, it doesn't mean that we can't stop and smell the roses along the way. So for me, I think success is really following your dreams and knowing, being your true authentic self and waking up in the morning and saying, I get to do this today and I'm really excited about it. And I can say that majority of my career, I probably, I, you know, we all have our ups and downs and I had years that weren't as good as other years, but Generally, I got up every day when I went to school and said, yes, I get to do this today. Yeah. I loved being in the classroom. I loved every minute of it. And I resigned from my permanent position, loving it. 
And now I wake up every day and I say, yes, I get to do this today with Rainbow Sky. And it's the same thing. There's still things that I I don't love about it. (laughs) And there's still things that Alicia says, oh, I wish that we didn't have to do this. But as business owners, we do. And that's the same with every job. Even if you absolutely love every part of your job, there are probably bits in it that aren't amazing. Mm. Um, But I think at the end of the day, if you wake up and you think, yes, I'm excited about this, then you're, you're successful for sure. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Especially like the whole Instagram thing. I mean, there's um, there's people that have amassed this amazing amount of followers, and I think maybe that as well. This is more of a a thing I'm seeing in the US is these sort of celebrity kind of teachers. Yes, yes. Which is which is wonderful. Um, but how important is it for you to be useful as opposed to sort of being popular? Um, because your resources are incredible, and my assumption, I don't know if this is true, is that kind of um, followers and creating an audience, while it's always been really important, for me, when I look through your resources, it, it seems like the focus has been actually on um, creating something which is meaningful and useful for educators as opposed to, mm. uh, like, how important is that for you to make sure that the resources that you have are actually, yeah, are actually meaningful and, and useful and, yeah. It's number one. Yeah. For Alicia and I, we don't we don't want teachers to come to our resources and print off reams of paper for the sake of it, because yeah. that's not what we believe in. We don't. If we're in the classroom, we're not having a million worksheets out there. We're not having a million reams of paper out there. We want resources that can be used and reused and recycled. Mm. We want resources that kids love to use. That you think great, I can adapt this slightly to do this and I don't have to teach the kids how to do this again. So um, it's really important for us that the resources are authentic to what we believe in in education, which is hands-on, engaging, kids really enjoying the process and you enjoying the process as a teacher too. I think sometimes we really underestimate that, that sometimes we think we've got to do A, B and C and we don't enjoy doing it at all and if you're not enjoying it and the kids aren't enjoying it then what is the point no one is going to get anything out of that so um, when we create our resources we want to be able to give people that opportunity to use our creative skills because we love being creative and we know that that's not everyone's jam and that's fine because we can do that and help you with that but we also want um, the resources to be student-led and for them to really enjoy the process and I think also it's funny with um Instagram with the popularity contest. I mean, we are a business and we want to sell things at the end of the day um, as well as help teachers. I mean, it's it's a double-edged sword, but this is my job now. So um, I kind of forget where I was going with this, but I think the the point is that you want to help, you want to help teachers. Teachers don't really want to know about us on our Instagram. We find whenever we put up things that post about ourselves or (laughs) about um, ask us a question, people don't really care. They want to know about um, how we teach things um, about our different strategies to keep ourselves organized about Mm. how we get through all of the teaching um, and I think that that does is what sets us apart from sort of those other popular accounts that are out there. And a lot of people, some people are out there not to have a business and that's great too. I mean, um, I know that there's lots of teachers out there doing, going down the influencer track as well, which is fabulous for them. Um, So I think they're all different purposes. Yeah. It's really good that you 
that you know what you're doing. You know, sorry, I'll say that. it's really important. I think that you you know what your identity is, and and that may evolve and may change. Um, but it's great it's great to see people or organisations that are confident that like, this is what we do, and this is why we do it, and, and this is why it's really important. And there's so many um, so many amazing resources um, on Rainbow Sky. But I did just want to talk about uh, quickly about your focus on new teachers, which um, is amazing i mean your uh, mentorship uh, i believe it's called transform your first years like yep. why why are new teachers such a focus for you and um yeah would you mind maybe unpacking just some of the things that you're doing in that space sure i think alicia and i both had a very different experience as a new teacher but we both had our own struggles yeah. and we want we don't want any new teacher out there to feel lost alone like they're not good enough we want new teachers to feel supported and loved on and feel like they can just have a go. And it's important that we do, it's important we do love on those new teachers because they're going to be our leaders. They're going to be the people in the classroom still in 40 years time, hopefully. We don't want um, our teaching community to be so transient and so pressurized that our new teachers drop out after the first five years or within that first five years. And then we're just getting a new set of them. And then we're getting a new set of them. And then we're getting a new set of them. And when we don't have anyone with a lot of experience and years under their belt. And that's one of the things we really want to support new teachers in. We want to support them so that they feel like they've chosen education. They've chosen to go into the classroom. We want to help them stay there and enjoy the process, not for the, the daily grind to get them down. And I see it all the time new teachers, they, they feel like they're not good enough or they um, get really scared off by things that they're told at university. One major thing is about meeting the needs of every single student in the classroom. And you know as well as I do after years and years of teaching is that you can't meet every single child's needs at every moment of the day. And I don't want them to have to learn things like that yeah. over five years of being a failure. Yeah. I want them to learn that, okay, this is my new expectation. The expectation is I'm going to try and meet as many needs as I can, or I'm going to meet groups of needs. And I've got all day to do this. So I can do it throughout the day. Then I've got all week to do this. I've got all year to do this. And here are some strategies to do it. So instead of trying to work out everything on their own, they've got somebody or a group of people or a community to come to, to help them. And over the years of um, teaching for me, the people I've learned from the most are the people that um, are my, were my great partners. Um, my maternity partner that I went back and team taught with has just taught me so much. And I think that there's strength in numbers. There's strength in making those connections with each other. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Do you think, um, are you optimistic that we are heading in the right direction? Uh, do you think that there is a kind of a change happening um, or do you think unfortunately after all of this uh, ends with COVID that we will spring back into old habits? I hope that we have a change after You've COVID. Got hope. You have to yeah. hope otherwise am, it's the wrong job. Yeah. I am really hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it does make a change or not, I'm not sure. I think that uh, without the I, I don't want to sound too negative because I am really passionate about education. Yeah. And one of the things that I do I don't like is when I'm I listen to other people in our area and they're always saying how can I can I swear? Whatever you like. Yeah. How shit our system is or how things is are broken. 
And I, I don't think negativity really helps. Absolutely. We do need to we do need to look at how we can change to make it better. And um, I, I am hopeful that things will change after COVID and that we will get our priorities into check. But I do think that we do need a bigger change in the system overall for major change to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it is, that, it is that fine line, isn't it? I, am, I have been criticised of many things in my life and my career and being overly optimistic is one of them. And I'm, I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of happy with that. Like, and I think I, it's important, I think, to be optimistic about these things. Um, and also to, uh, we all know that there are issues, but to, to identify an issue and then maybe even uh, a suggestion of how to move forward, I think is really important. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's a really complicated industry, uh, one that we are both um, incredibly um, passionate about. And it, it really matters. I mean, my little girl goes to school the year after next. Um, and so for me, um, it's really personal now. Like, it's really important to get this right, because I'm going to be kissing her goodbye at the gate and sending her off. And, and these conversations, I think, are really important. And my hope is that, um, like you're saying, is that we can actually learn from, um, uh, from some of the things that have happened in education with this global pandemic and also the role of teachers. And my hope is that we do learn from this and we don't necessarily spring back to old habits because they are just because they are comfortable. But time, uh, time will tell, won't it? Who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> um, in uh, just as we move to a close, I do want to be respectful um, of your time. Um, what advice would you give to early career teachers? We've touched on it a little bit. I'd say to them, you know what, go out, do your best. We all start somewhere. We all make mistakes. Even as teachers that have been teaching for a long time, we make mistakes. You're not going to feel like this forever. And you're more capable than you know. You've totally got this. You can do it. That's what I want them to know. I want them to, to have that growth mindset to say, you know what, I might have a setback, but I can do this. I might not be able to do it perfectly yet but I will. Fantastic. I think that is uh, incredible um, and really important advice. And just also like look after yourself. Like it will be Absolutely. okay. You will get through this. Um, it's yeah. okay. Um, I, I think that's, that, that's really, really important. Um, we've talked about um, so much uh, in our discussion. It's a, an absolute privilege to get to hear from someone who is as, um, as passionate and as uh, determined as you are about changing um education and making a difference and I, I commend um, you for what you're both doing with Rainbow Sky it's really it's been really lovely seeing the um, the platform take off and seeing so much engagement um, from teachers but um, is there anything that you are and you don't have to share this you can say no it's a secret um, is there anything <laughs> that you are uh, uh, any surprises that you're currently working on that you'd be willing to to share honestly we don't have any surprises that we're working on. <laughs> I thought we were going to get I wish some, I did. I wish, oh, no. I, I yeah. should have thought of something yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. What we are doing, though, yeah. is we're, um, we're about to launch our signature course, Transform Your First Years, again in Brilliant. September. So, oh, Sorry, it is September now, early October, and then again in January. So our focus really is on those new teachers to helping them feel supported, um, being able to make, make a connection with other teachers that are in the same boat as them. Um, that is where our focus is at the moment. 2000 and 
22, gosh, I can't believe we're already talking about that. Yeah. Um, where, where our role really in our business is to just continue to nurture those relationships that we've got. We released quite a few mini courses this year. So that was really our, our baby this year. Um, we released a course and they're really, um, they're for anybody in teaching, but for new teachers, especially about how to run your reading groups. So if you're stuck, you think, oh my gosh, I don't even have the faintest idea of how to set up and run my reading groups. We've got a course on that. We've got one on um, same thing, but for maths groups. And then one about um, teacher time and strategies and how to maximize your time and what you need to be spending time on and what you don't, because (laughs) there's a lot of things out there that you can cut corners with and it's okay to cut corners, teachers. Please know that you don't have to do it a particular way all the time. Fantastic. That sounds great. And we will put all the links to uh, all of the things that you've talked about um, in the show notes. But um, Ash, I just wanted to thank you so much for your time. Uh, Please say hi to Alicia. And um, she's over in Perth, I believe. So very different time zone. Yes, over there. she's um, over in Perth. But please pass on my uh, gratitude for all the amazing work um, that you're both doing. And it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to see the platform grow and, and make such a difference on uh, on teachers. So uh, thank you for everything and um, can't wait to see what's coming next for you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on today. I feel like it's a very a huge privilege on my side too. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Art of Teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussion. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com. I've one favour to ask. If you could please head to the iTunes page of the podcast and rate and review the episode. This would really help to get the interviews and resources to as many people as possible. Also, I've created a private Facebook group so that we can continue the discussion after each episode. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and until next time.